Well, again, today we're going to be back in Acts. We've been in the book of Acts for a few months now. And the last time we were in the book of Acts, we were finishing up chapter 5. To give you a little bit of context, we were talking about the importance of fellowship. Why it is so important that we as Christians and as the church remain in fellowship. Because Satan, isolation is his playground, and he loves when we are isolated and outside of fellowship from our other brothers and sisters in the Lord, without accountability and without any edification from each other as the church. If you remember, the disciples were once again arrested for their faith and their witness of Jesus. And not only were they arrested, but they were also beat for their faith. And just to echo back again to what it said in chapter 5, it said they were very joyful when they were being beat and persecuted because they were found worthy to suffer for the Lord. And I just thought that was amazing application right there because so many people say they will suffer and die for the Lord, yet they won't live for Him. So something to think about. So today we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to go ahead and we'll read through verses 1 through 7. So starting out in verse 1, before we get into it, let's pray together and let's commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just praise you, Lord. I thank you so much for all that you have done for us, for this opportunity you've given us to meet in this last Sunday of 2020. And I just uh, rejoice, Lord, and thank you for all that you have done throughout this year, Lord, throughout your church, throughout each and one of our lives, Lord. And I thank you for all that you want to do if we submit ourselves to you, Lord. So, Father, I just thank you for this time you've given us to study your word, and I pray, Lord, you'd speak a timely word to our hearts. We invite the presence of your Holy Spirit here, and we pray that you would be glorified. So, Lord, just reign in this place and speak to our hearts. We commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, look what it says there in verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So to give you some idea of what's going on here, the disciples had established a system where they were distributing food to the poor, to the widows. Now, they did this as a direct response to God's command back in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, to care for the poor and the needy. Why? Because as we do this to the Lord, as we do this to the poor, we're doing it to the Lord. So the disciples were being obedient to this command by God, and they were distributing food to the poor and to the widows. However, there's a problem here we see in verse 1. It says a complaint arose against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So first question is, who are the Hellenists? Well, Hellenists is a very fancy word for Jews who spoke Greek. That's all the word Hellenist means. And if you have another translation of your Bible, one that's not so complicated, all it says is, the Greek-speaking Jews, because that's all the Hellenists were, right? So there was, there was some neglect going on within these Greek-speaking Jews, and they were not receiving the food that they should have for this distribution. So first and foremost here, there was disunity going on, right? There was problems going on within the ministry of the disciples, right? There was disunity, and there was just neglect going on. Now, this wasn't necessarily the disciples' fault. We'll read about why there was this neglect in a couple verses. But I want you to notice this. Satan will do anything that he can to divide the church or ministry. He'll use disunity. He'll use problems, right? He'll use anything he can to disrupt the ministry of the Lord. 
This is so important. We have to be aware of the devil's schemes and his tactics. Understand Satan cannot defeat the church. We know this. Jesus said the gates of hell can't prevail against it. So how does he attack it? Through the inside, right? He wants to divide and cause disunity. So let's read verse 2 and we'll see what happens next. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So the twelve refers to the original disciples of Jesus, with the exception of Judas, right? We know Judas is dead. And Matthias replaced him back in Acts chapter 1. So the twelve disciples come to the other followers and they address this problem, right? In verse 2, they see that the, the widows and the poor are being neglected in this food distribution. And they said, we cannot leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, this is an interesting verse because upon initial look at it, it almost looks like the disciples are being a little rude here, right? And I want to clear this up. The other disciples, the 12, were not elevating themselves above the other followers of Christ. When they said, we cannot leave our ministry of the word to serve tables, they're not putting themselves higher than the other followers of Christ. Unfortunately, far too many people will take this verse out of context and run with it, right? And you'll see many pastors and teachers elevating themselves above everyone else, thinking that they are lorded over the other followers of Christ. And this is unbiblical. If you remember back when Jesus was ministering, what did he do to his disciples? He washed their feet. And he said, you do likewise, right? Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but to serve. And so the disciples were not lording themselves over the other followers when they said this. Instead, they were merely bringing up this problem. See, listen, the disciples' ministry given to them by God was to preach the gospel. This was their allotted ministry. This is what God was calling them to do. Now, I want you to notice, though, the disciples were aware of a problem within their ministry. They brought this complaint up, right? They were aware of the problem that was brought to them, and they wanted to fix it. They wanted to find a remedy for it. They didn't want this neglect to continue. They didn't want this problem to continue. They wanted to meet the need. This is so important for us because many times we'll have problems in our own life. May it be sin, right? May it be disunity, maybe a grudge, maybe a relationship that is, that is very hindered and very broken. We'll see these problems in our life. The Holy Spirit will convict us of them, but we won't act on them, right? So many times we don't want to find the remedy to these problems, these problems of sin, Right? These problems of disunity in our lives. These things that separate us from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit ever convicts us of a sin or of a problem, He wants to free us from it. The Lord doesn't put a band-aid on sin. He wants to free us completely from it. So many times we'll, we'll be in prayer circles, and I've done it several times, right? I'll, they'll ask me for my prayer request, and I'll say, Oh, I need to pray more because I don't spend enough time with the Lord. I've really been bad in my prayer life. Then the next week comes... And my prayer request is, oh, pray for me. I need to pray more because I'm not spending enough time with the Lord. And then the next week, same prayer request, same prayer request. Why? Because the problem is still there, but I haven't found the remedy for it. I haven't actually brought it to the Lord, right? I haven't trusted him to help me to overcome this sin or this problem in my life. The disciples were obeying the Spirit's prompting and conviction. They wanted to solve this problem. And if you're struggling with sin today in your life, I want to encourage you with the same. Bring it to the Lord because he wants to free you from this. So the 12 said, we cannot leave our appointed ministries. We need to appoint others 
to oversee this ministry. The disciples were going to get burned out if they continued to do all of these ministries, right? They were going to get worn out and burned out, so they needed to appoint certain men to watch over the food distribution for the poor and for the widows. This is another great word for all of us. It is so important that we do not get burned out within ministry, right? It's so important that we don't get worn out. We need fellowship. We need to be fed the word of God. A lot of people, are, it's great, praise God, they have a servant heart, and all they want to do is serve, 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 but they never get fed the Word of God, right? They never get nourished. And once we get warned and burned out, we're no longer going to be able to minister in the way that God wants us to minister. The disciples knew this, and they knew they couldn't get burned out, so they wanted to solve this problem and put men over this position. So let's read in verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So the disciples, right, they come up with this idea through the Holy Spirit to appoint seven men over this ministry. Now, these seven men, they needed to possess three qualifications. Can you see it there in verse 3? The, seven, the three qualifications. The first one is a good reputation. These men needed to have a good reputation. Number two, they needed to be full of the Holy Spirit. Right? Full of the Holy Spirit. And look at the last one there in verse three. They needed to have wisdom. Now, as we read about and we talk about these three qualifications that are needed for this service, it's important to note, are these traits and characteristics evident in your own life? Right? Can you see these three traits lived out in your own life as well. Because as Christians, we should possess these traits. So first up, have a good reputation. This is so important, right? A good reputation, it means you're well-known as someone who is honest, trustworthy, kind, considerate, right? A good reputation means people know your character. They know your morals. They know that you're not going to compromise, You're not going to give up on what you believe. You are someone who can be trusted, right? Now, this is so important because as Christians, we are the living proof of Jesus, right? We are supposed to radiate and shine the light of Jesus Christ to this world around us. Because if you haven't noticed, the world is evil. The world is lost. It is destitute of the gospel, and it needs the hope of salvation found in Jesus Christ. And as Christians, as followers of the Lord, we are the light of the world, called to shine the light of Jesus. Do we have a good reputation? Can people see Jesus in us? Let me ask you this question. How does the world know you as? What do they know you as? Right? Are you you known as someone who loves Jesus? Are you living for Jesus so much that someone can look at your life and just say, I know they're a Christian. I know they follow Jesus. Right? Or you're that person who's had a friend for 10 years, and in 10 years your friend never knew you were a Christian, and then you say, oh, hey, I'm a Christian. They're like, what? I never knew you were a Christian. Right? Because your life is so, your life for Christ is so hidden. You're an undercover Christian. No one can know about it. You have a good reputation. Are you someone who can radiate Jesus? Now, a good reputation is so important because without this, our witness to the unbelievers is very flawed, right? There's a big stereotype among the Christian community today by unbelievers, and that stereotype is that Christians are hypocrites, right? Actors. They pretend to be something that they're not, and the reason they think this is because far too many Christians 
are worldly, right? Far too many Christians do not have a good reputation. They don't shine the light of Jesus. They don't live like Jesus. And the disciples knew if we're going to appoint men over this ministry, we need to have men who are known to love and serve and follow Jesus Christ. What a word for all of us. You have a good reputation. Now let's look at the next trait here. It says, full of the Holy Spirit. Now this is, this is very important, right? When it says they were seeking men full of the Holy Spirit, it referred to, first and foremost, seven men who knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. <laughs> right? Because if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is not living and dwelling inside of your heart. The Holy Spirit, we receive Him when we come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We become God's child when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So first and foremost, if they're going to serve within the ministry, they need to know Jesus. <laughs> right? They need to know Jesus. But not only that, they need to be like-minded and obedient to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. There are many Christians who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, right? Many Christians who have accepted Christ, but they don't follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It's a very common problem today. Many Christians don't prioritize spending time in God's Word and spending time in prayer. They rely on verses they read three weeks ago, right? Oh, yes, the Lord spoke a great word to me three weeks ago. Right? You ask someone, hey, what's the Lord been showing you lately in His Word? And they're like, well, you know, two weeks ago I was reading in Psalms. It's like, okay, but what about today? Have you, have you nourished yourself today? Are you feasting on God's Word today? Right? Are you prioritizing spending time with Jesus? Are you so close to the Holy Spirit that you have the discernment to know what is of God and what's not of God? To know what God is calling and leading you to? Are you like-minded with other believers and with what the Word of God says? Or are you a Christian who ignores the Holy Spirit's leading? And if that's you today, I want to encourage you with this. The Lord wants to restore you to right fellowship with Him. But I want to challenge you, do not be stagnant in your faith. And it's a very trying times we live in with this virus, with this lack of fellowship, because this can oftentimes be a result, right? You become desensitized to the Holy Spirit because you're not in fellowship, because you're not spending time with the Lord, and you're not bringing your life to His feet each and every day. It's so important. Now, again, let me ask you this. Are you being submissive and obedient to the Holy Spirit? Or are you someone who says, oh, the Holy Spirit's my tool, it's my ministry, I'm going to do this. I want to tell you this, the Holy Spirit is not your tool for ministry. We are His tool for ministry. He wants to use us, right? Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? I believe someone needs to hear this today. Whatever it is God is calling you to do, walk in it. Do it. Obey the Spirit's leading and the Spirit's calling for your life. Let's look at the next qualification here that we see in verse 3. It's to possess wisdom. They sought men with wisdom, right? Wisdom is having good judgment. Wisdom means you not only have knowledge, but you act on that knowledge, right? Wisdom means you not only know what way is right, but you walk in the way that's right. (laughs) That's what wisdom is. Wisdom means you can think properly, you think sensibly, and you act on whatever it is that God is calling you to do. Now understand this, wisdom is not found in the things of the world, right? There's a lot of Christians who unfortunately they seek wisdom from earthly things. I remember, you know, I was serving at a ministry two years ago and I was talking to this guy and he watched this very obscene movie, very, very, very obscene movie, very sinful movie. 
And you just, there's nothing that could possibly edify you from this movie. And I asked him, I was like, hey, does this, you know, naive, judgmental me at the time, I was like, hey, does that hurt your relationship with the Lord watching that movie? And he looked at me and he said, well, I, I can get spiritual application from this movie, right? And that's just nonsense. This man was seeking wisdom from things of the earth, spiritual wisdom from sinful things, and that's not going to happen, right? Sin only does one thing, separates us from the Lord Jesus Christ. It will never draw us close to him. The disciples knew if they're going to appoint men over this ministry, they need to appoint men who depend on God for wisdom, right? Being wise does not mean you drench yourself in the things of this world. Wisdom starts with the Lord. And so many Christians want to be wise, but they don't want to be with Jesus. So many Christians want to do all these things, but they don't want the Holy Spirit. They don't want to obey him and to spend time with him. They don't want to respect and revere God for who he is. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it's a very common verse. All of us know it, right? What does it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be wise, it starts with the fear of the Lord. The word fear, it means to have respect. It means to revere, to honor God in everything that you say and do. And as Christians, we gain wisdom not through the things of the world, but through God's word. Not through teaching of men, through God's word, right? Through Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. Now, last thing on wisdom, then we'll move on to the next verse. Later in the Bible, in, in James' letter, in the book of James, he, he tells us that there's two types of wisdom, right? In chapter 3, he says there's the true wisdom from God, and there's a false wisdom from this world. And again, too many Christians, they want to possess this worldly wisdom and follow the Lord. But James tells us in his book that the wisdom of the earth is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Right? That's not my words. That's God's word. <laughs> he calls the, the wisdom of this world earthly, sensual, and demonic. So let me ask you, are you trying to gain this worldly wisdom because you're dabbling in something that's demonic? Or are you seeking the Lord for true wisdom? Now, here's the great news. James chapter 1, verse 5. Memorize it. Highlight it. Do whatever you do with your verses because it's a great verse. James chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a great truth for us right there. A great invitation given by God. If we lack wisdom, all we have to do is go to the Lord. But as we talk about these qualifications, I pray that you can see these three things in your life. Again, do you have a good reputation among men? Do you have a good reputation among the non-believers? Right? Or are you that, that person that no one wants to be around because you're very worldly, right? You go to church, the Christians don't want to be around you because you live like the world. You go outside, the world doesn't know you're a Christian because you live like the world. You have a good reputation. Or are you a mirror? Right? What does a mirror do? A mirror reflects a face. And when an unbeliever looks at your life, do they see a reflection of themselves? Or do they see a life that's been changed and transformed by Jesus? Are you drawing close to the Holy Spirit? Are you depending on God? Right? Are you being obedient to his leading and to his calling? Finally, do you have wisdom? Something to think about. Let's move on to verse 4. It says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Understand, again, the 12 disciples weren't sitting on a couch kicking their feet up while the other disciples served. Again, they weren't lording themselves over the other followers, but they had their ministry that God appointed them to. And they said, you know what? 
we are going to give ourselves completely to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is so important, right? I want you to notice the order here that the disciples say. First, it's we're going to continue continually in prayer and then to the ministry of the word, right? And then to the ministry of the word. Any effective ministry is fueled by prayer. I don't know if you remember a few chapters ago, but we talked about what makes a healthy believer and a healthy church. And what was the big one? Prayer, right? It's prayer. So many Christians today, they don't want to pray. I I struggle with it myself, right? We don't have time or we feel like we have other things more important to do. When problems arise in our life, we take it everywhere except to the throne of God, right? And then we allow worry and anxiety to come into our hearts instead of taking it to the Lord. God's word tells us to pray without ceasing, to continue steadfastly in prayer, that if we have any worries, any anxieties, any concerns, we need to take it to God in prayer. So what are you fearful of today? What is it that is weighing you down and causing this anxiety and this worry in your heart? Maybe you're scared to fellowship because of coronavirus. You don't want to catch it. That's understandable. But guys, we serve a God who is faithful and a God who is greater than any sickness and anything we could ever face in this earth. We have to pray. I have a quote from Charles Spurgeon, a great theologian of yesteryear. (laughs) And he said, nine times out of ten, falling away from God begins in the neglect of private prayer life. Right? I'll read that again. Nine times out of ten, falling away from God begins in the neglect of private prayer life. This is so true. And if you haven't noticed, there's a great falling away right now in the church. And here is a great root. A lack of prayer. A lack of prayer, right? We have to be people who pray. We're God's church. And Jesus said, my church is called to be a house of prayer for all nations. We need to pray. Only then can we minister in the way we are supposed to minister. Right? We have to bring it to God in prayer. Let's look at verses 5 through 6. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Taman, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So the first thing I want to draw your attention to in verse 5 is that the saying pleased the whole multitude of believers. There was like-mindedness within the church. And this wasn't the idea of, man, they prayed hard about this decision to appoint these seven men. This wasn't a decision they made in haste. This wasn't a decision that the apostles made because they were the 12 apostles, right? This was what God was calling them to do. And there was like-mindedness within the church. So let's see what happens here. They appoint seven men. The first one we see is Stephen, right? Now, we don't know too much about him, but we know this. He was described as a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty great way to be remembered right there, isn't it? To be a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. How would someone describe you? Would they describe you as someone who's full of faith in the Holy Spirit? Again, or are you that person who hides, right, as a Christian? You don't want people to know, right? I don't want to push people away. That's, I think that's the biggest thing that Christians say. Listen, you can't push unbelievers any further away than they already are, right? Never be ashamed or afraid to live for Jesus Christ. But Stephen was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. We'll also see in the next chapter that Stephen was a very learned man, right? He was very smart and educated in the scriptures and in the Old Testament and Israel's history. But we'll save that for next week. So let's look who else here. 
We have a Philip. This is not the disciple Philip. This is a different Philip, right? Then we have Prochorus and these other guys. And if you came today and you were like, oh, I can't wait to to know more about Nicanor and Taman, I have some bad news for you. You're not going to know anything more about them because I don't know, (laughs) right? We don't know too much about these men. But here's what we do know about them. These men possess the traits and the qualifications that the disciples were led to find, right? We don't know about their personal lives. We don't know who they were, how long they ministered, where they ministered. But we know this. These men loved Jesus. These men were full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. They were wise and they had a good reputation among men. So again, how would you be described? What do other people talk about you as, right? What are they saying? Are they speaking of how full of faith you are? Are they speaking of how worldly you are? Something to think about. Again, I want you to, to just note these men were not picked randomly, right? They weren't out there looking for, for these guys at random. They would pick them through the laying on of the hands of the apostles in prayer. Look what it says at the end of verse 6. They set these men before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Before any decision is made in your life, always take it to God in prayer, right? Before any decision is made in ministry, take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, we're, we're, we're people who are just very impulsive by nature. We want to do things our way. We want to do things quickly. We want to get things done. And so many times we'll skip the most important thing, and that's prayer, right? Many people rush into relationships. Many people rush into jobs or ministries, right, before they take it to God in prayer. We have to pray. We need to make sure before any decision is made that we are depending on the Holy Spirit's leading and his guidance. Let's look at verse 7 here. Our last verse for the day. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. This is amazing, right? The word of God spread quickly, and many were saved. Why? Because the disciples were constantly praying and depending on the Holy Spirit. Again, this problem arose, this dissension arose about these widows and these poor being neglected in the food distribution and the disciples. They were like, we need to find the remedy for this problem, right? We need to solve this. And they appointed these seven men who were faithful. Now, I want you to notice the word of God spread quickly and many were saved because the body of Christ was working together now. The disciples now didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about the food distribution because they had men over it. The body of Christ was functioning properly in the way that it should. There was unity within the church. And these seven men, you know, I I love it because this is one of my favorite stories because these seven men were to wait tables to distribute food, right? I don't know about you, but compared to what the other guys were doing, this seemed more like a very low-key job, right? A tedious job while the other disciples were getting to go around the city and share the gospel. But these men didn't care. They were faithful. They were serving God faithfully. Why? Because they didn't do this as unto men. They did this as unto Jesus Christ. It wasn't about a position for them. It wasn't about authority. It was about doing what it was God had called them to do. Right? As a result, many were saved. God blessed this ministry. And this is also fascinating. Many priests were obedient to the faith. It's amazing because we know the high priests, they had a reputation, didn't they? A reputation for being very stubborn and very, you know, hard-hearted toward the gospel. But when God's church worked together, following the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, when it was uh, led by prayer and through the teaching of God's word, 
God bless the ministry, right? And many were saved. So what about you? Are you serving faithfully in what God has placed you in? And you might be here today and you might be like, well, God hasn't placed me in ministry. I'm not serving within a church. I'm not in a different nation, you know, preaching the gospel, right? And maybe you're sitting here today and you're wondering, what about me? Well, do I have to serve faithfully? Absolutely, because wherever it is that God has you, he wants to use you, right? May it be in school, may it be in a workplace, may it be in ministry. The Lord wants to use you. He wants to use your life and he wants to use your testimony to point others to Jesus. So are you serving him faithfully, right? Many times we'll treat God's calling like a household chore. We do it just to get it done. Each and every day we walk in God's calling for us. We're doing what he called us to do, but we're not doing it as unto him. We have attitudes, right? Or we're discouraged and beat up and we're worn out. Are we serving faithfully? Is our heart behind it? Are we doing this as unto Jesus? And understand this, we don't serve God because we're his gift to ministry. We don't serve God because he needs us. We serve him because he wants us. And this is an incredible opportunity that we've been given by God to be able to minister and to shine the light of his son, Jesus Christ, to this world around us. Are you excited about being a Christian? Are you excited about being saved? Do you have that joy of Jesus in your heart? Is the world seeing Jesus in you? Are you being faithful where God has placed you? I want to turn to a verse here and later in the New Testament. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul wrote this to the church and he said, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live your life and serve God in a manner that is pleasing and worthy of the gospel. And here's the God that we serve. We don't serve a God who deserves 10%. We don't serve a God who deserves 25%. We don't serve a God who deserves 99.9%. We serve a God who deserves 100%. Right? In light of all that God has called us to do, what else could we do but live for Him and serve Him faithfully with all of our hearts as these men did? So we'll conclude with this. Today we looked at verses 1 through 7 of Acts chapter 6. And we read about this, this problem that arose, right? This dissension among the, the disciples and the believers that people were being neglected in the food distribution. And the disciples heard this complaint and this problem. And what did they do? They brought it to the Lord in prayer. They brought it to the church and they wanted to seek a solution for it. And so, after praying and through the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance, they set seven men over this ministry possessing three important traits. I don't know if you remember them, right? Good reputation being full of the Holy Spirit, and to possess wisdom. And again, we too must possess these qualities as we're to serve God each and every day, right? And again, I want to bring this up because it's so important. If you have a problem with sin and addiction in your life today, the Lord wants to free you from it. He wants to save you from it. And that sin that maybe you're struggling with that seems so undefeatable and that sin that is so tight and has its just grip around your neck and no matter how hard you try, you just can't get free from it. I want to encourage you with this. Jesus has already defeated that sin. You're fighting a defeated foe, right? The Lord wants to free you from this. He defeated that sin when he died on the cross. Whatever problem, whatever sin is in your life, the Lord wants to free you from it. You know, as we start a brand new year, 2021, let's not start it bound in sin. Let's not start it bound in addictions. Let's start this year trusting Jesus, living for Jesus, surrendering our sins and surrendering all of our our this discontentment to Jesus. Let's serve God faithfully this year, right? 
Let's serve God faithfully each and every day of our lives. Do you possess these traits? Are you a Christian who prays often? Are you a Christian who takes your problems to the Lord? Are you obedient to the Holy Spirit? Do you live for God faithfully? Next week, we're going to look at Stephen, and we're going to see how the Lord will use him. An amazing way God's going to use him. But this week, let's continue to live and shine for the Lord with our lives. Let's continue to live for Jesus. Let's walk worthy of the calling of God. Let's live our lives in a manner pleasing to God and worthy of the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. And again, I'll say this. If you don't know the Lord and you're listening today, Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. And he wants to offer you salvation and forgiveness of sins. And it's not a creed that saves you. It's not a man who saves you. It's Jesus. That's all. The blood of Jesus is enough. So I pray that if you don't know the Lord, today would be the day of salvation for you. So let's pray together, and then we'll continue to worship. And let's have a blessed new year, a blessed week, and let's live for the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given us to study your word. I just thank you, Lord, for the example that we see from the early church, Lord, and how they lived for you and how they served you. Lord, how they operated as a body of Christ in unity. Lord, how they brought their problems and their worries and their concerns to you. And they trusted your Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. And they were obedient to what your Spirit was calling and leading them to do. And I pray the same for each one of us, Lord, as we live our lives this week. Just help us, Lord. Help us to come to you with everything. To be obedient to your Holy Spirit. To spend time with you. Lord, increase in us a heart of wisdom. Help us to know you more. To love you more. And to be a faithful light and a faithful example of Jesus Christ to this world around us. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for bringing everyone here uh, this afternoon. And I pray you continue to bless our time of worship. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.